Chapter 16 His Godly Wife Dies Brokenhearted And when his good wife saw he hadn't changed, how did she take it when he returned to his old ways again? I had broke her heart. It was an even worse disappointment to her than when he tricked her into marriage. At least she took it more to heart and never could face it very well. You must remember that she had sent up many prayers to God for him before this. She had prayed for him the whole time he treated her so badly. Now, when he was so terrified in his sickness and desired so strongly to get well and live, the poor woman thought it was God's answer to her prayers. She shared her gladness about this among her friends, but when her husband rebelled again, she couldn't stand up under her disappointment and fell into a languishing sickness. In a few weeks, she gave up and died. How did she die? She died bravely, comforted fully in her faith in Christ and assurance of the world to come. During her sickness, she offered many excellent words and demonstrations of her salvation to those who came to visit her. While she did have thoughts of the grave, her thoughts were especially on her rising again. These thoughts were sweet to her as she longed for death, because she knew it would be her friend. To some, she seemed like a woman making ready to go meet her bridegroom. She said, I'm going to rest from my sorrows, my sighs, my tears, my mourning and complaints. Up until this time, I've longed to be among the saints, but I wasn't allowed to go. But now I'm going, and no one can stop me. For I am going to the great meeting to the congregation of the called-out ones of the firstborn, who are registered in the heavens, and to God, the judge of all. Hebrews 12, verse 23 There I will have my heart's desire. There I'll worship without temptation or any other hindrances. For there I'll see the face of my Jesus, whom I have loved, whom I have served, and who I know will save my soul. I've often prayed that my husband might be converted, but there has been no answer from God in this matter. Are my prayers lost? Are they forgotten? Are they thrown overboard? No, they are hung on the horns of the golden altar. And that moment when I enter into the gates, through which the righteous nation that keeps the truth will enter, I say I'll benefit from them. As Holy David said about his enemies, I can say of my husband, Scripture, As for me, when they were sick, my clothing was sackcloth. I humbled my soul with fasting, and my prayer rose up in my bosom. Psalm 35, verse 13 My prayers aren't lost. My tears are still in God's bottle. I would have had a crown and glory for my husband and for my children who followed in his steps. But so far as I can see, I must rest in the hope of having all myself. Did she speak this openly? No. She spoke like this to only one or two of her most intimate friends, who were permitted to come and see her as she lay languishing on her deathbed. Please tell me more. This is good. I'm happy to hear it. This is like a pleasant-tasting medicine to my heart.
Why ought we sit talking like this under this tree? When she drew near the end of her life, she called for her husband. When he came to her, she told him, The time has come that you and I must part. God knows, and you know, that I've been a loving, faithful wife to you. I've offered many prayers for you, and as for all the abuse I've received at your hand, I freely and heartily forgive you, and I will still pray for your conversion for as long as I breathe in this world. But, husband, I'm going to that place where no bad man will come, and if you do not convert, you will never see me again with comfort. Don't let my direct words offend you. I'm your dying wife, and in my faithfulness to you, I urge you to part from your sinful ways. Flee to God for mercy, while mercy's gate stands open. Though you are now healthy and well, remember the day is coming when you must lie at the gates of death, as I do. What will you do then, when your exposed soul meets with the cherubim's flaming swords? Yes, what will you do then, if death and hell visit you, and find you in your sins, and under the curse of the law? Her words were certainly honest and clear. What did Mr. Batman say to her in response? He did what he could do to change the subject. He also showed some pity toward her at this point, and asked her what she wanted. With various words, he shut her down from saying what she really wanted to say, and when she saw that she was not regarded, she drew in a deep breath, lay still, and let out a long sigh. So he left, and she called for her children and talked to them. First she spoke to those who were rude, and told them about the danger of dying without grace in their hearts. She said, Death might be nearer to you than you think. The next time you walk through the churchyard, look and see if there aren't little graves there. And children, wouldn't it be dreadful if we meet at the day of judgment, and then part again, never to see each other again? With that she wept, and the children also wept. And so she pressed on to say, Children, I'm leaving you. I'm going to Jesus Christ. With him there is neither sorrow, sighing, pain, tears, or death. Scripture They shall hunger no more, neither thirst any more. Neither shall the sun be thrust upon them, nor any other heat. Revelation 7 verse 16 and I heard a great voice out of heaven saying, Behold, the tabernacle of God with men, and he will dwell with them, and they shall be his people, and God himself shall be with them and be their God, and God shall wipe away all tears from their eyes, and death shall be no more. Neither shall there be any more sorrow, nor crying, nor pain, but the former things are passed away. Revelation 21, verses 3 through 4. I want you to go there also, but I can't carry you, nor bring you there. But if you turn from your sins to God and beg mercy at His hands through Jesus Christ, when you die you will follow me and come to the place where I am going, that blessed place of rest. Then we will be forever together, 
feasting our eyes on the face of our Redeemer to our mutual and eternal joy. So she told them to remember the words of their dying mother when she was cold in her grave, that perhaps her words might check their sinful lifestyles, that they might remember and turn to God. Then they all left except for her dearest child, the one she had loved most because he followed her ways. She said, Come to me, my sweet child. You are the child of my joy. I've lived to see you become a servant of God. You will have eternal life. Sweetheart, I will go first, and you will follow later, if you hold the confidence you've begun with steadfastness to the end. Scripture, for we are made partakers of Christ, if we hold the beginning of our confidence steadfast unto the end. Hebrews 3 verse 14 When I am gone, remember my words. Love your Bible. Follow my ministers. Still deny ungodliness. And if troublesome times come, set a higher value on Christ, His word and ways, and the testimony of a good conscience, rather than on all the world offers. Demonstrate it kindly and dutifully to your Father, but choose none of His ways. If you can go to service, choose that rather than to stay at home. But be sure to choose a service where you can be helped in the way to heaven. To find such a service, if possible, speak to my minister, and he will help you find one. My dear child, I also want you to love your brothers and sisters, but don't learn from their naughty behavior. Scripture Have no fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness, but rather reprove them. Ephesians 5 verse 11 You have grace, they have none. Therefore make the way of salvation beautiful before their eyes by living a godly life and with conversation which conforms to the revealed will of God so that your brothers and sisters can see and become pleased with the good ways of the Lord. If you live to marry, be careful not to be treated as I was, of being deceived with beautiful words and flatteries of a lying tongue. First, be sure she is a godly woman, as sure as it is possible for one to be in this world. Don't just trust your own eyes or judgment as to the woman's godliness. Ask counsel of good men regarding the woman you're thinking to ask to be your wife. Don't do anything without my minister's advice, if he is still alive at the time. I have also asked him to look after you. In this way, she talked to her children and gave them advice. After she talked to her dear child a little longer, she kissed him and told him to leave. In short, the day arrived on which she died, with a soul full of grace, a heart full of comfort, and by her death ended a life full of trouble. Her husband arranged a funeral for her, perhaps because he was glad he was rid of her, but we'll leave that judgment to the obvious. This woman died well, and now that we're talking about the death of Christians, I will tell you 
a story about a person who died some time ago in our town. The man was a godly old Puritan, which is what we call the godly in the past. After this man lived a long and godly life, he felt sick, the sickness from which he died. And as he lay drawing near death, the woman that looked after him thought she heard music, the sweetest music she'd ever heard in her life. This music continued until he gave up the ghost. Now, when his soul departed, the music seemed to withdraw with it, drifting further and further from the house until the sound disappeared altogether from her earring. What do you think that might have been? For all I know, it was the melodious voice of angels, sent by God to bring him to heaven. I can't say. I do know that God works in extraordinary ways with us poor mortals sometimes, but I can't say this about Mr. Badman's wife. However, I can tell you she had better music in her heart than what the woman you have mentioned heard with her ears. I believe you're right. Please, tell me, did any of her other children listen to what she had to say and better their souls? One of them did, and became a very hopeful young man. But as for the rest, I can't really say. I mean, what did Badman do after his wife was dead? Why, he went on as he did before. He hardly mourned two weeks for her. And even in that, I'd say his mourning was more for show than in heart. Didn't he at least talk about her sometimes after she died? Yes, when he felt like it. He commended her very much, saying she was a good, godly, virtuous woman. But don't be surprised by this, because it isn't unusual. In fact, it's common for wicked men who hate God's servants while alive to praise them when they're dead. That's the way the Pharisees acted toward the prophets. The prophets who were dead, they praised, and those who were alive, they condemned. Scripture Even so, you also outwardly appear righteous unto men, but within ye are full of hypocrisy and iniquity. Woe unto you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, because you build the tombs of the prophets and adorn the sepulchres of the righteous and say, If we had been in the days of our fathers, we would not have been partakers with them in the blood of the prophets. Therefore you are witnesses unto yourselves that ye are the sons of those who murdered the prophets. Matthew 23, verses 28-31